Hey guys, Nathan Murphin here. Just wanted to give you a quick update on why there wasn't an episode posted last week. Uh, my wife and I went down to New Orleans to uh, be messengers sent by our local church to the SBC uh, annual meeting. Uh, so we were busy with that. But now we're back at it this week, and we're going to release to you all a pre-recorded episode on the hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Thank you all for joining, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Seeing the Word, a podcast that explores and promotes gospel-centered, biblically-rich congregational songs for the church. I am your co-host, Nathan Murphin, and I'm joined by... Joshua Roberts. And... Rachel Nothnagel. Good job. You guys can say your names better than I can ever say your names. <laughs> Yay. We're coming uh, with another congregational hymn uh, today. Uh, we're going to be going over the very historically important song that... Probably everyone knows, I'm sure you've sung it in your church in some form or fashion, whether it was high church or a contemporary arrangement of it, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty by Reginald Haber, Heber, Heber. Eber. I would say Heber. Heber. He's a Brit, so I don't know. But he's dead, so he can't get mad at me if I say his name wrong. <laughs> he's he long Starting gone. off strong. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. He's dead. Uh -huh. Anyways, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, starting off strong. Thanks. Okay, so we can tackle the sound. Um, all right, so now, like we always do, let's open up by just reading the text of these uh, verses. Uh, Josh is going to start us off, and we'll go around the table. Here we go. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea, cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, who wert and art and evermore shall be. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide thee, though the eye of sinful man thy glory may not see. Only thou art holy. There is none beside thee, perfect in power, in love, and purity. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. So, if you guys are okay with this, normally we start with the biblically rich gospel-centered stuff, but I would really like to just start with the music, okay. that's okay. Yeah. Just really um, briefly, for me, I'll start and you guys add what you think. I was saying this earlier to you guys. I think this is this hymn, this tune, is one of the best melodies set in Christian hymnody to reflect its text. Mm -hmm. There is just something so, um, I don't want to sound existential, but so... Um, transcendent and something so powerful about the melody of holy, holy, holy. Yeah. It literally like, it just builds literally the, the melody, mm -hmm. it, it builds the chord yeah. and it, it lifts our eyes upward. It's, it makes us think about 
God as holy, obviously, but also it leaves us with a sense of awe and wonder and, and looking up, looking at God as, mm-hmm. as who he is, as he is transcendent above all time and creation. I just, and there's other parts in the hymns that are beautiful too. It's just, that part just really, it just rises. And I think it just raises the affections and it's a, it's a good melody. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's probably other things you want to say or, but that's no, one thing I wanted to say. No, I had to I, say it before I will we get say, to the text. Because of the the richness of the way that it is written, that I, I actually prefer when I when I do this song, that it features the voices the most. Absolutely. Um I, I do like to hear it with a loud Brass. Full brass, full organ, mm-hmm. full mm-hmm. full band, anything like that. Right. I, I like to hear it um, like that, but but it seems like every time I lead it, I want to at least have some places where the voices are very very exposed. I, I can remember going um, and singing it at at the sing conference, and um, it being done just just simply the I guess the it was there. No, it was it at was, for the church with Matt Boswell. Remember I, that I they did the last verse a cappella. Oh, yeah, that we and, were. Yeah, we're, I and, was standing next yeah, to you, man. Yeah, we were standing. <laughs> yeah, and 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 just hearing that that oh, harmony um, of the voices because it is so well written. With However, gusto. the the richness of the uh, four part harmony is there, but I think that sometimes when we try to to play it, um, our instruments in church will try to play it with all of those extra uh, notes and stuff. That it actually strips it, it messes it up more. Mm-hmm. Um, when 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 you're when you're accompanying the congregation, let them be the feature yeah. and and just kind of simplify yeah, the way that you accompany it. Yeah. You don't have to change the chord on every beat like it's written. Oh, you you can yeah. you can let those all, accidentals. Yeah. Be leading tones and stuff yeah, like that. We we use the you know for these hymns we use the 2008 Baptist hymnal Lifeway stuff and that intro is just like holy it's just yeah. got that it's just like core. Uh, oh, oh see we use the one that's got the jazzy little dun 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 dun. It, it, it's it's something about I don't it know. It doesn't sound very jazzy. It, well, it, <laughs> it does sound like not with my singing, but. It does sound like it whenever it's it's got something that I don't yeah. Know. Well, I just I, I'm I'm the same way, Josh. I've told we've done this where we sing verse one and verse four a cappella, and then mm-hmm. I have the instrumentals phase in for verse two or full, mm-hmm. and then I have them pull it back a little bit for verse three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a sinful man; my glory may not see, and then out for yeah. verse four. Yeah, yeah, the arrangements that I've heard and been a part of and sang um, at ch- different churches have always been this very just like. Um, kind of not really lullaby-ish, but it's kind of a little bit faster. And I don't know all the terms you guys do, but mm-hmm. it's almost like we are missing the point of it entirely because oh, it's yeah. supposed to be this kind of like... Ethereal, yes, reflective. This, yeah, yeah, it's like you're. it makes you, or at least this song makes me think of like Christ's victory and how he is, he is high above, different, mm-hmm. set apart from us. Yes. Yet we're singing... We're just kind of like bopping along. Yeah, bopping along. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's too fast. It's, it's probably too, it's too fast and it's too probably. like swingy because it's mm. not it's not giving the the, the people in the too, yeah the people in the congregation a chance free. to reflect on yeah. the words. That's good. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that too. Well, okay, we talked about the music, so let's let's get into the 
biblically rich in gospel. Well, before we do, stuff. I want to say something about the. I was looking, and um, I this guy Reginald Hebert. I I, I don't see any other hymns in any of our hymnals that um, he wrote. Mm-hmm. But yet he, when you go to him to read, there's there's tons of them that he wrote. Hmm. Um, in fact, it attributes some to him that he didn't write, um, like Hark the Herald and Joy to the World. But um, <laughs> I don't know why. They, they, I'm gonna have to let them know that they made a mistake, or maybe maybe a hymnal <laughs> attributes. You tell them, Josh. I will. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> send them a nice little email. <laughs> but but anyways, hymnary um, Nazi. <laughs> They, they, there's nothing that? else that I, I think I don't think that he he wrote anything else that that stood the test of time other than this one, um, but I think the reason why is because of what we're about to dig into with the the scriptures and mm-hmm. stuff and how um, these two scenes that we'll look at um, in Revelation and in Isaiah mm-hmm. um, help us to kind of transcend our momentary um, trials or whatever here in this world and see God victorious and high and lifted up. So, And he's always been that, too. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't yeah. change. We'll That's get to right. that. Sorry. Oh, Go I got, for it. Go I can't spill it. the beans. Go can't for do it. it. Okay, let's get into the text now. Okay. Verse 1. Here we go. Do you guys want to read? You mentioned Isaiah and Revelation. Do we want to read those passages? To, I mean, that makes sense. How about, um, uh, Josh, how about you do Isaiah 6? Um, you can you can stop at verse three, or you can go all the way to verse seven if you want. And then Rachel, how about you do Revelation four? Um, oh, I'm going to go further than verse three. So. Okay, go to yeah, go to seven. <laughs> no, I, I'll I'll okay. Here goes Isaiah six. Mm-hmm. Uh, starts there at the first verse. Mm-hmm. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had, or flaming ones, mm-hmm. each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice mm-hmm. of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Mm-hmm. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Mm-hmm. All right. Rachel, you got Revelation 4. And, um, I'm trying to, I can't remember the verses off, offhand, but yeah. you know the part. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm just <laughs> trying it. to find a good, good starting, starting point. Yeah, um, so you know the context. Yeah. Um, somewhere around 5 or 6, maybe. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is describing the throne in heaven. Mm -hmm. I'll just start. um, Yeah, I'll start in six here. It says, Before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal, and around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Mm-hmm. There we go. Now, I want to ask a, a question. Well, this is kind of what we do with this podcast. We're saying, you know, sing the word. These are songs that we think that should be sung in our congregational 
music often. And, and, and for me, the why of why we sing this song is plain and simply this. In fact, I introduce the song like this sometimes. It says there what Rachel just read. Uh, they never cease saying day and night, holy, mm-hmm. holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And being able to introduce the song and saying, we are joining with mm-hmm. the actual words that are being said mm-hmm. in heaven at this exact moment. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just puts a perspective into you. And so I think it's anytime that you sing anything that has holy, 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 you know, these words out of Revelation, um, then you you it's a good way to introduce it to just help people to understand what they're doing. They are joining in with what is going on day and night, never cease being said, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty who was and is. Amen. That repetition of the word holy, um, I think it's can, important. It's, it's, the it's superlative so important. Yes. Three um, times. I read The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul last mm-hmm. year and ended it in tears because there was so much in there I'd never thought of. But he points out there that there's only one attribute of God that is magnified in Scripture to the third degree of repetition, and mm-hmm. that is God's holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, he later explains that, you know, in our language, in English, um, there are different ways that we uh, give emphasis to different types of words, you know, and underlining verbs. them. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, various ways. But Jesus did this through repetition to make his points. And several times, you know, when he's calling the disciples to follow him or he'll say, uh, truly, truly, I say unto you or yeah. verily, verily. Um, this was to emphasize a point. And I think it's um, worth noting that the only a- attribute of God that is re- repeated so often is his holiness. And so we don't want to miss this because God's holiness can't be separated from his other attributes. It's like a yep. like a tapestry. Or that it supersedes all of them. <laughs> exactly. Even though, like you said, it is in the superlative right. three times holy, holy, holy. Um, but you're right. But yeah, I think it it's important to see it in the tapestry of his whole, of, of who God is. He's not just holy or just merciful or just loving and all those things, but he is everything all at once. And so... Um, it was helpful to me to to learn about the holiness of God and why why it's repeated. Why is it there? Why is mm-hmm. it there in Scripture? Um, but yeah, I guess that was all I had to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, to that end, um, I, I read something, and I, I like the way that they said it, because I think that sometimes uh, we don't understand, or may, maybe to help us understand what superlative and all that means, um, if something is really big, uh, in in Hebrew, they would say it is big, big. Mm-hmm. If it's mm-hmm. really deep or very deep, big, they would big. say it's deep, deep. Uh, holy, holy, holy is the only superlative in the Bible with a threefold repetition. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it is really, 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 really is is what what it's saying. <laughs> really, 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 really holy. It, it's it's right. going to the 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 utter. You know, it's basically saying there is. Undiluted holiness. Yep, mm-hmm. undiluted. That's a good word. Yeah. And I think sometimes we we get really, at least I do, we get really um, theoretical about what holiness is. And I think one of the clearest things to think about holiness is simply set-apartness. I know that's, that's not a word, but being the thing being set apart, consecrated. You know, you, mm-hmm. you talk about objects that are being made holy or, or us— um, you know, in Hebrews 10, he has perfected all the for all time those who are being made holy, who are being sanctified. 
um, but that God is so unlike anything like us, anything we could perceive in our human minds, any other creature that he made. He is so unlike any of that that's beyond our grasp. Um, and, and that's really at the bare bones what holiness is, I think. Obviously, there's the moral implications. He is, as the verse 3 says, perfect in power in love and in purity. There's no mm-hmm. mixture of sin or evil in him. He is He's fully good and he is fully great. Mm-hmm. Um, we can get all into all those attributes in a little bit. Um, one thing I like, let's go on to verse 1 if you don't mind. I think something that also gets missed, I, I was just talking about kind of some broad attributes of God. And that third line, holy, 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 merciful and mighty, mm-hmm. that the separation there, but the, they're connected, obviously. He's merciful and mighty. Merciful talks about God's goodness. God, in, in his own character, in and of himself, he, he is love. He has um, benevolence towards all creatures, even those whom he will, you know, he will dest- destroy in, in the final judgment. He is good. He, he gives life to all things. He's especially good in his grace to those whom he saved. And he's also mighty. He, and that talks about God's greatness, his omnipotence. He, he has the power to do whatever he wants. He is um, powerful in various ways. Mm-hmm. So we talk about God's goodness and greatness and not just one or the other. Um, I like that they put these two things together. I think that the perfect and power, love and purity, and the the merciful and mighty, all of that's being remi- we're being reminded of that the only thing that he doesn't say in here is 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 grace. I wish that in somewhere somewhere in this song he had said he's also perfect in his grace. But but this this what what I'm getting at is our world. You hear often people will say, "Well, I just don't believe that a loving God." would send everyone to hell, you know, that that doesn't know Jesus. That's not a loving God. Mm-hmm. Well, he's perfect in love, mm-hmm. but he's also perfect in purity. Right. He's perfect in holiness. Mm-hmm. And so um, it helps us to grasp that concept and to argue against that heresy of, you know, yeah. a loving mm-hmm. God that, that somehow love should be is is perfect, but his holiness is not perfect, uh, because both of them go hand in hand, and he he does that well by by reminding us of the mercy, mercy, the might, the power, the love, but also the holiness, mm-hmm. the purity, um, and he can't can't be in the presence of sin. So he went so far as to, um, and even though it doesn't say grace, it it brings right. that to mind. Because he went so far as to to provide that way, um, so yes, he is a loving God, perfect in love, uh, but he's also perfect in his purity. One of my favorite um, theologians, actually of the Middle Ages, uh, is Anselm of Canterbury, and he said this. I'm paraphrasing. Truly, you are merciful because you are just. Mm-hmm. Mm. There, there, there's so much deep water there. Um, but that, that kind of ties into what you're saying, about they're not to be tethered away or severed from each other. I've been reading uh, Rejoice and Tremble by Michael Reeves, and it's about fearing God, um, cor- I guess, correctly, if I can yeah. use that term. But he kind of spends a few chapters describing um, those who are on the the other side of God's like mercy or maybe 
um, maybe if I can word this better. Um, so people who do not know the Lord as Savior have a different fear of God than those who do. Right. And so when he's fearing God, when he's not your Savior, is a different thing. Um, and then going back to the whole merciful and mighty, if God was just merciful but he wasn't mighty to save, he wouldn't be God. Right. Um, but then if he wasn't... Uh, if he was merciful but not powerful, mm-hmm. um, you how know, could he accomplish yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how could he make it into effect? Right, and then um, if he wasn't merciful but still powerful, he would certainly be. And this is where I'm going to quote Pride and Prejudice: a fearsome thing to behold. Uh, <laughs> because if he wasn't, he wasn't merciful, but he still had all the same power. Like that is a different type of fear. But we can approach the Lord in a way that fears him and reveres him as who he is, but also is ready to receive mercy, knowing that, like I said in our last episode, (laughs) we know the one on the throne. And so, yes, he's, he has wrath and he is just, um, and those are, those are things that we need, but also as his children, we are on the right side. We are on the receiving end of his mercy and grace. Mm -hmm. Hence the word grace. (laughs) One of my favorite um, parts about, um, C.S. Lewis is um, how he describes Aslan in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's Mr. Beaver talking to Susan and, and the kids, and they're trying to describe Aslan has returned, and he's this great and glorious king, and he's a lion. And then, the, and then I think it's either Susan or Lucy that says, is he quite safe? I should be really afraid to meet a lion. And uh, Mr. Beaver basically says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Mm. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. Mm. I love that so much. That is just that that's a wonderful allegorical picture of who God is. He's not safe, but he is good. Yeah. Um I, oh, go ahead. I can't help it but also think uh, we were talking about the holiness of God and, and when I read Isaiah 6, um you know, Isaiah and John both um it says that they you know, got to to see the throne room of Ezekiel. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah says, um, you know, uh, at, at, as as he sees the whole earth is full of the glory of God, and all of the shaking and the the thunder smoke. and the foundations and the thresholds and the smoke and the blah blah. And his immediate reaction is, mm-hmm. uh, "Woe is me, for I am undone." And I, it doesn't say it in there. But I, I see him as he says that, that he just falls down. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't say that in there, but I, I see, at least if, if I were imagining myself yeah. in that place, as I'm saying, woe is me for I'm lost, for I'm undone, is what the King James says, mm-hmm. um, which I love that. I, I'm, I'm undone, undone. Yeah. which actually I'm makes me think. I'm literally disintegrating I am just speak. melting here on yeah. the ground and why I, I, I think, you no know. no right I, to I'm, be in this place. Yeah, and, and, and something about every time that I sing this song, it, it, it kind of puts me in a place. Of, I'm getting a little teary-eyed even now. It puts me in a place of just being undone because I am so unclean compared. Mm. And, and Isaiah, Isaiah was actually a godly man. Yeah. Uh, but he he says immediately he says I am I am unclean I have unclean lips I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the King the Lord of Hosts but yet as he is washed and cleansed by the the seraphim coming mm-hmm. and, and giving the burning cool. coal 
um, he, he immediately with confidence then says, here am I, send me. Even though he's mm-hmm. just, you know, it, it just ties all that yeah. together of that, that again, right. of the grace but also the holiness of God and the so, the full mm. the full atonement the full of cleansing that yeah. he receives you can't help but think without getting too much of a tangent we really got to get back to the song but yeah. Isaiah 6 but the fact that he says i i have i have unclean lips what's the thing that the cold touches his lips his lips yeah. yes. the thing that he confesses and knows yeah. is filthy and sinful oh yeah. man that's so powerful um, one thing that, back to the hymn, that it mentions in verse 1 and in verse 2, or excuse me, verse 4, God in three persons, mm-hmm. blessed Trinity. Don't know how much clearer you can get about what Christians believe about their God. One God in three persons, blessed Trinity. There's not many songs that just say Trinity. Mm-hmm. I, I love, and you know, the word that probably gets covered in that is blessed. Um, we don't we don't say, man, you are blessed today. You know, talking, uh, describing someone as blessed, mm-hmm. but thinking about the the utter and undying joy, blessedness, happiness, contentment in and of Himself. God is in His three persons and has always been harmoniously with the fa- with Father, Son, Spirit for all eternity. Mm-hmm. Blessed Trinity. Um, well, blessed also means holy or consecrated. It mm-hmm. can, yeah. Good. Um, so, um, I, I, something about me as a young boy growing up singing this song, also the 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 superlative "holy, holy, holy" would always reinforce to me. I guess because the song talked about the Trinity. Um, uh, maybe, maybe that. In fact, I've heard people say sometimes, you know, that the "holy, holy, holy" uh, might be because of you know, Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy. Spirit, um, it, I don't know. It, it does something to me that that brings back, harkens back to the Trinity again. Um, that three and one, one and three. Yes. Um, another thing, real. I know we've hanging hanging on the ver- first verse, but hmm. there's a little bit. I think it's like a a sense of earnestness and devotion when it says early in the morning our song shall rise to thee i'm not when i, I first get up yeah it reminds me of deuteronomy uh, exactly. 6 okay you know, i was thinking will, is there okay. a psalm or something i'm trying to yes. think where it mentions that yeah is it in the I'll, shema does it say uh-huh. that okay yeah i'll pull it up yeah i couldn't remember when i was preparing i was just like this there there's a sense of urgency and and devotion to our praising of god if it's a perpetual thing in heaven well then it should be a, an urgent thing for us so i don't know that it it doesn't specifically mention the morning, but yeah. it is that same concept of having God's word in and around you at all times and that like constant devotion. So it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down. And when you rise, there you go. There's the there's yeah. the word. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So it's that concept of having it in, around you, near you. Mm-hmm. Um, and later in Deuteronomy, it even says the word of God is very near you so that you can do it. Oh. You can obey it. There you go. Good job, Rachel. That's good stuff. Um, let's go on to verse 2 and 3. Um, and Obviously, we'll conclude with verse 4. It's very triumphant and mm. encompassing in what it talks about. But verse 2 and 3, 
again, it it dives into the, you know, the casting down of crowns, that vision we read, and the the, the elders throwing their crowns down in Revelation four. I think that's what it's alluding to. Yeah, cherubim, mm-hmm. seraphim. Well, that's back in Isaiah six, yeah. the flaming ones. The biggest thing in in verse two that it's that's not been said yet, though it very much is implied. Who wert and art and evermore shalt be, which is re- can we is talk about Revelation. commas again? Because every yes. time we used to sing this growing up, it was no commas. You, no, commas. no commas, and you didn't understand what you were saying because it didn't like Archaic it was very language. much like yeah. which word and art and evermore shall be, yeah. and it's just like rolling off your tongue. But there was no like stopping and pausing that God was and was, he is and is and is and to come. Is yes, it's it come. actually means something. Words mm-hmm. mean something. <laughs> mm-hmm. Commas mean something. And just that's that's the doc and here's a big word. Doctrine of aseity, the aseity mm-hmm. of God. The existence He does of not God. rely on any he, he's he's uncreated. He does not rely on any outer outer force to create or affect him. He simply is and has always been and is yet to be, be, always be. This, oh man, that, that is one of the biggest, like how, how do you put your mind around the eternity, obviously, but a God who was, is, and is to come. Um, let's keep going in verse three. I think this is where we get to kind of like the uh, Isaiah, woe is me part of the song. Mm. Holy, holy, holy. One, though the darkness hide thee, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And then, like as Isaiah would say, then the two, though the eye of sinful man, I am undone, I am unclean, thy glory may not see. There, there's this, yes, this is a song of praise and adoration and worship, but this is also a point of 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 confession and um and penitential prayers. He 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 admits I I, I am in this category here, though the eye of sinful man, my glory may not see. We have a corrupted understanding of all things mm-hmm. because of the fall. Mm-hmm. Though we have this corruption, you stand above it, O God. Only thou art holy, and there is none beside thee. And we go into the perfections, the perfections there. Um, yeah, that makes me think of Isaiah 46. Um, just read a few verses. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. Mm. And then later he says, I have purposed and I will do it. Yeah. There is none beside thee. Yeah, that that basically is another proclamation of him, you know, that there is none beside thee. Your idols, your <laughs> their graven images. They are just so unworthy. I mean, <laughs> I, I've got revelation on my mind because we just were going through it with my students. And I and this is a very random passage to pull from in Revelation. But talking about um, during the seven trumpets and the, the judgments of God coming forth on the earth. And the end of chapter 9, I love he talked. It, it's, it's a very um, blunt and very dark verse, but it talks about mankind not being repentant in verse 20 of chapter 9. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues, the seven trumpets, did not repent of their works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, comma, which cannot see or hear or walk. 
I love just that. And there's other prophets that say the same thing. You're worshiping things that are so inanimate and mm-hmm. not living, but I am the living God, and there is none that can equal me in my perfections. And these are qualities of his holiness. When we get to this last line. Only thou art holy. There is none beside thee. Perfect in power, one love and purity. I know you mentioned grace. I think yeah. in love, that's probably a that's tangent where it of comes grace. From. Yeah, that's but I mean. these are all the if we take the doc, if we take holiness and these are little subsets of his, the qualities of his holiness, we see that there in power, love, and purity. Um anyways. Any other thoughts on those first three verses before we get to well, the last one? I will say this. I had someone tell me one time, explain to me this way about the the revelation and the the, the elders casting down their crowns. A crown is a, a thing that 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 shows that you are the ruler of something. Um, that mm. it, it's a place. It's a thing of honor, but it also is, is what is put on your head authority. to show now you have an authority. Thank mm-hmm. you. That's a good word. And when we join in singing this it it helps us to to think of these um these elders these mm-hmm. saints casting down their crowns and taking the authority off of their head Humility. and placing it before the mm-hmm. king of kings and the lord of lords and it reminds me as well to do this the same thing to yeah. cast my crown down yep. um and to allow it to be there in its rightful place before the uh, the king. Yep. So. Let's go to our final verse, and then we'll conclude this episode. Again, it, it rearticulates the very first thing, the very first phrase of verse one: "Holy, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty!" Exclamation point. Then it it enters this all-encompassing dimension of the song: "All thy works shall praise thy name in earth, in sky, and in sea." Sorry, I added a couple words there, but. There are so many psalms that talk very much uh, in this uh, in this vein. I mean, I think of you know the very last psalm, Psalm one fifty. Mm-hmm. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I mean, uh, Psalm one hundred four talks about you have created the Leviathan and you have formed the ocean for him to play in it. Mm-hmm. It's like I thought this was a psalm of praise. Like, <laughs> yes, it is. God in His pleasure is All like I'm going to make this huge mysterious creature and He's going to praise me in the sea. You know, or in the birds of the air, and just all, and then God provides. You know, Psalm 140, 145, the Lord um, provides and feeds all the, all of His creatures, and they they turn back and praise to Him. There's so many examples of Psalms. If you guys have some, you can read them. I or, just thought of Psalm 19: "The heavens declare the glory mm, of God." Yep, that's right. There's there's so many. <laughs> it's like praise is a very central theme in the Psalms. I don't know. All thy works shall praise thy name. All created things, not just not just you know men and women, but creatures. Uh, or thinking about you know when uh, Jesus his triumphal entry to Jerusalem and Pharisees are mad and he's they're saying you shut up your disciples they're being too loud too rowdy they were jealous of him getting praise and he said well if I were to shut up these disciples the, even the rocks would cry mm-hmm. out in praise because of who I am. <laughs> Holy, 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 merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. And we, we end there. And I, I just want to like say, I, I love, yeah, I love it whenever things are tied up nicely mm-hmm. and 
yeah, packaged bow. well. Mm -hmm. And um, I always love it when a, a it, this is just a silly little preference thing for me, but I'll always love it when a, a pastor, when he's preaching, that he will he'll start with the scripture and he'll end with mm -hmm. the scripture and he'll kind of reread it and it just mm -hmm. helps you to settle. So that's one of the things that I just love about this song, just the structure of it. We've talked a lot about, you know, the, the scripture of it and all, but just the way that the fourth verse is a, a returning to the same lyrics from the first verse, to me, it just kind of closes it off well yeah. so that, um, like I said, just everything's right. tied up nicely in a bow and you get to uh, end the song. Mm -hmm. um, so love that about it. Yep. There's not many... Not many better examples of a song that talks about the topic of God's holiness. So um, we should be using this one frequently for its many, many good purposes uh, as a congregational hymn. All right. Well, that concludes this episode. Uh, thank you, listener, for joining in, and uh, we hope to see you next time. Thank you for listening to Sing the Word. If you're enjoying the content of this podcast, please subscribe to our channel on your preferred podcast platform. Feel free to leave us a good rating, too. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and other platforms as well. If you've got songs, questions, or discussions you'd like for us to explore in future episodes, please email those to singtheword316 at gmail.com. Again, that's seeingtheword316 at gmail.com. As we continue to improve and expand our platforms for this podcast, we'll be sure to keep you posted on things to come, Lord willing. Again, thank you for listening. Grace and peace.